I had this thing that's been moving me for six months. And typically when we preach at the service, we do um, series, you know. So Pastor Greg, myself, Pastor Tony, Josh Thayer, we'll lay, lay out a few weeks and, all right, we're going to do this series and you take part two and you take part seven. And, and we kind of lay it out uh, that way. And this week, um, it was Memorial Day weekend. Greg said, uh, I'm not preaching that weekend. He put his foot down. Um, and so uh, I said, well, he asked me if I could do it. And I said, is it a series? He said, no. I said, I, he, he's in the middle of a treasure series uh, that's been great up to this point. And uh, we'll see if part three measures up to the first two. That's, uh, that's in a couple weeks. So, um, But there's a standalone that wasn't a part of a series. And he says, we just, you know, whatever's moving you. And it was, uh, without a doubt, this. So why did I bring these people here? I, I needed to get back to basics about eight months ago. And I want to talk through uh, kind of a... I don't want to say a transformation. My wife would say that's an over-exaggeration, but a, a move that's happening in me that happened because I had to go back to the very, very, very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, there is this story that starts the entire narrative of the scriptures. It is what we lovingly call the creation story. But when you revisit it, it's got little nooks and crannies that are fantastic it's written in the uh, form, in the art of a poem. It's got phrases that repeat itself over and over. And God said, and God said, and he saw it, it was good. And he saw it was good. It was morning, it was evening on the second day. It was morning and evening on the third day. This creation story has grooved. Even the creation story is written creatively. There's something moving about art. It's why music moves us. It's why at the right moment, if the right chord hits and it, we're in the right mindset and we're listening for the Spirit of God, He moves us. Not moving emotionally, moves us to a place where we are more like He created us to be. And this art moves us. This story moves us. And so I'm going to read through and, and uh, we'll have it up on the screen. I'll do my best to try to stay in one spot so you don't have to jump around. If you have it, if you have your Bibles or you have your phone, Genesis one, it's uh, it's at the front. Okay. <laughs> Verse one: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Stop right there. He's working with not much. Those of you who uh, are in endeavors that seem creative you've been there you step you sat and stared at, at a blank screen you sat with your your art instruments and you're like wow that, like the first sentence of writing is the hardest the first brush stroke is the hardest to paint you're 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 starting with nothing and sometimes you're there going ah what's my next step so god takes a series of moves on verse three and god said let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Stop right there. Day one, God's main job was to separate light and darkness. He put the light over here, put the darkness over here. He separates them and then there's space in between. The rabbis would say that the first 
act of God was to separate light and darkness. And the rest of our lives, we are meant to be like God and try to separate light and darkness in our own lives. That's a little esoteric. Well, I'll just like to say that we put the light on one side and the dark on the other, and there's space in between. It's not just empty space because now there's structure. There's dark and there's light. There's, there's boundaries. There's, there's some sort of uh, bumpers on the bump bowling alley. But there's space. He's separated. Two things. Then going on to verse 6. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above the vault. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. God's main job on day two of creation in this creation poem is to separate water from water, i.e. clouds up, bodies of water down. And there's space in between. He separates and then he leaves space. And again, it's not just undefined space. There are bumpers, there are alleys, there are boundaries to the space but the waters above and below and he has separated them and he has created space chapter 9 or verse 9 and god said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and it was so and god called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas and god saw that it was good then god said let the land Produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with the seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning on the third day. Primarily, day three, God's main job is to separate land from water. Before that, there was just water, and he said, okay, I'm going to put the water over here, and then the dry land could be on this side. He has separated things and created a space. He separates and creates space, not undefined space. There are boundaries. There are bumpers on the bowling alley. There are, There is structure. That's what he's done. Continuing on, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth and it was so god made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night he also made the stars god set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth to govern the day from the night and to separate light from darkness and god saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning On the fourth day, God separated light and darkness on day one, and he waited till day four to fill it. On day four, he puts the heavenly bodies. He he makes light that governs the day, and he makes a, a less light to govern the night, the moon, the stars. He puts in the celestial bodies, but he doesn't do that for three days. He waits three days to fill the space that he created on day one. A pattern is starting to form. Verse 20, And God said, Let the water teem with the living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures 
of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and fill the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. On day five, God, on day two, separates the waters, the clouds and the waters. And on day five, he fills it with birds and creatures of the sea. On day one, he separates light and darkness. On day four, he fills it. He puts life in it. He makes it so that things can live. There is a living, a re- not just life, but living happening. Verse 2, he separates water from water. And verse 5, he fills it with life. He puts living things, not just things that are alive, but things that are alive. And he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Let this grow. Let it produce more and more and more. Verse 6. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. On day three, he separates the water from the land. And on day six, he puts life on the land. He fills the space in the separation that he made on day three. Day one, he separates. Day four, he fills with life. Day two, he separates, creates space. Day five, he fills with life. Day six, day three, he separates land and water. Day six, he creates life that produces more life. God has this rhythm where he creates the space and then he fills it with life. And then what he says in verse 26, then God said, let us Make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Stop right there. Pretend you haven't read anything else about the Bible. You picked up the book. This sounds interesting. This is a bestseller. Maybe I'll start this. And you read this creation poem, and at this point, you don't know anything else. And all you know is it says, and God said, let us make humankind in our own image. Let's make little creators. Let's make this humankind in the image. If you don't know anything about God at this point, all you know is that he's a creator. And then he makes us in his image. We are in the image of the creator. And so if we're in the image of the creator, there are three things that have You're like, Greg, that's a poem. How did that, you say that's been transformative. How has it been transformative? God is a God who creates space. I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence that the one holiday that is the most powerful holiday of the Christian faith, Jesus rising from the dead, this biggest symbol of that is a vacant tomb. Literally, the most powerful holiday in the Christian faith is symbolized by an empty space. God creates empty spaces, and then he fills them with life. Now, if I read this, and I say, if I fast forward to the part where I'm made in his image, I'm like, i got to start creating stuff. Because I'm in his image, and that's what he made me to do. But if I look at how he did it, how he did it, is that he first separated things and made a space. 
And for me to be like the God that I'm made in the image of, I need to create space. Not with stuff in it. And let it live empty for a bit. God waited three days. Do you think he didn't know what he was going to do on day four? Like most of us, my temptation, if I was in this story, I separated the light and the darkness, I immediately would want to fill it. That's like my nature. As soon as I have an open day, let's see what we can put in here. As soon as my calendar has an open weekend, let's plan something. As soon as I have extra money, let's spend it. As soon as I've got any type of extra anything, what can I do with this? And God, when I read the creation story, leaves it empty. Three days. Leaves it. I, if I'm going to be the person that God created me, need to create and then leave space. Because in that space, God can do miraculous things. I have, to, I have to make the boundaries. I put it like this. It's like a container and contents. The container is important, but it's not the end-all be-all. And I, this goes in two different ways. This is my personal. I have to create a container. I have to create the boundaries and the disciplines and the lifestyle that allow for God to fill my empty spaces. That's a personal thing. But as a church... We as a church work very hard to build a container. We're in one. We have programs. We have schedules. We have uh, this life group and this children's thing and this choir and this mission trip and this service opportunity. And we have built a structure. But I will tell you, if you have built the structure, if you build the container and you put nothing in it, then the structure is worthless. The contents are just as important as the container. And the container is important. If there's no container and you have experiences with God that have no context, that have no community, that have no way to work themselves out and perpetuate themselves, then you are at a loss. The people who say, I can experience God without going to church or being a part of community or being in a life group, okay, but those are going to fade away. God didn't make us solely for ourselves. We need to be in a community. We can share those things. And so the church is important, right? But the things that happen in the church, in our souls, in our spirits. How many of you today are sitting there having attended church 30, 40 times in the last year, but you can't really tell me the last time you prayed? How many of you are a part of services and You have a hard time telling me when's the last time you sat quietly, intentionally quietly, listening for what God might have. When's the last time that you scheduled a, a, a lunch, a dinner, an appointment with someone that you're in relationship with, with no agenda? Hey, we got to get this done. We got to talk about this. Let's plan Fourth of July. I'll see you next week. Oh, I got to borrow that thing from you. You've got this list and you leave and you're like, I, did we have a conversation? Was there anything deep there? Was there anything moving there? The container is important. God spent three days making a container. And I'll tell you, sometimes churches brag about the size and the make of their container. Look at this great container we've got. Look look how beautiful and pristine this container. It can hold a lot of stuff. That's important. And Pastor Greg and Josh and Pastor Tony and Becca 
And Pastor Dan, you guys have a tremendous responsibility to mold this container. And I'll touch on that in a second, but the container has to also have contents where God is moving us, where we are stopping and leaving space. (laughs) I laughed. I thought about what if we as a church had a Wednesday night meeting that had no agenda or purpose? Let's just get together. Would anybody show up? How do you even promote that? Wednesday night, nothing. (laughs) We fill, we fill, we fill. And when I look at the creation story, I've learned I have to, even in the midst of chaos, I have to create the space. We've all been there. We've all, people ask, how are you doing? Oh, man, crazy busy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, this week's been crazy. This month, I mean, I can't. Okay, have you, did you make it to church? No, I, have, you, have you done it? No, I can't. I just, I mean, my calendar just book work is killing me. And, you know, Johnny's got, and, and, and I mean, I, I just, I collapse on the bed at the end of the day. And do you have any real conversations? I didn't have time for real conversations. I was responding to emails about meetings, about agendas, about what was that again? I don't know. We weren't made for the rigmarole. We were made to create the space. We were made in the image of the creator so that we can separate, make boundaries, and let God move in us. We have to be disciplined about that space, not eager to move to the next thing. I know I'm wired the opposite of this. This was tough. When I started doing morning meditations, what I would do is I would read a couple readings. I would find something that I thought was interesting, moved me, thought like it was important for me to know in a real way. And then I would start a breathing exercise where I would try to clear my mind and thoughts so that I could meditate on that idea. And it took me usually three minutes to do the breathing exercise to calm my my blood pressure, my pulse, my all those things. And then I would start to think. And in the first month or two, I might have gotten one a week that worked because all the other times I would try to breathe and clear my mind and immediately my brain was just trained to think about the next thing. What's coming up on the day? Let's, oh, we got to put this on the to-do list and we're out of this. And, oh man, I had this fight last night with this and I, uh, I hope it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust that later. I couldn't still my mind and because of it, I couldn't listen to God. I couldn't be still and listen to what God was trying to teach me or move me toward. And it took me a couple months. But you start practicing things. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. But I knew that if I could just get my brain to listen, that God had things to say to me. I I believed it cognitively. I was not believing it experientially. And something happened around February started to take more and more. And every morning I would walk away with this nugget that God had moved in me, whether it's something from the Proverbs or a commentary from Psalms. or there was, there was one this week that I was reading from a hippie named Ram Das, And he said, can you live without hope or fear? And I was like, that's a silly thought because hope is a good thing, except for the fact that hope is about something that's somewhere else. And I shouldn't want to be somewhere else. I should be here. I should be present. God is here. I shouldn't push fast forward to the next thing. Fear is about something else. Anxiety about what might be coming up. But when you let go of fear, you're just left with where you are right now. And it, it stuck with me. And I had four or five conversations 
with brothers and sisters where we were just talking about things. And man, it's hard to be in the moment. I know. But like, what is, what is it that's stopping? Well, I'm, I'm anxious about this. I've got, I'm excited about this thing that's coming up. It's like, can we live without hope or fear and just live now? The Apostle Paul wrote uh, the famous phrase, of these, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Why? Because faith is something that happened before. We have faith in something that happened before. Hope is something that's in the future. Love is what I'm doing right now, the present, right now. If I create the space right now, God can move in me. And I look at this creation story, and God continually makes space and then fills it with life. Don't be afraid to let an open space sit for a bit. Don't be so eager to move to the next thing, to be anticipating what might happen, because here and now God has a word for you. The second thing I want to tell you is that in the, verse, the very end where I read verse 25, 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that we, they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. He says, let us make man in our image. And so we're made, and I want to tell you today that our culture likes to tell us, tell us that certain people are creatives. Other people are not creative types. They're just not creative types. I, don't, I assume that means they don't paint or sing. I don't, I don't know what a non-creative type is, but I'm here to tell you that we are all made and woven creatives. You're creative in your own weird way. Even if you're just a spreadsheet dude, you get weird and creative with those spreadsheets, man. You can be an artist, sure. You can be a musician. You could, you could be just a guy who sits and has conversations with people as a mentor. And you can get real creative with how you bring up certain things and how you encourage people. How you contribute to what the church might look like. Maybe you're just a, a financial planner. That doesn't seem creative at all. Except that there are churches, including ours, that have debt on the books and we're trying to build for this and we've got this budget. Maybe there's a smarter and better way to invest. And if I just put my creative energy toward the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is better. God calls us all to be little creators. And when we all bring our creative to the table, when we all bring it to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God looks how God intended it to look. This story is before sin enters the world. This story is before Adam and Eve are banished from the garden. This story is when God and humans were in harmony with each other. And when I look at the story where we're in harmony, it's when we are bringing our creative to the table. He tells Adam, manage the garden. You're, you're in charge. Do it how I can't imagine God being a micromanager of the garden. He was... Adam was allowed to be a little bit creative. And we all have that little thing in a way that can impact others and bring love and heaven to earth. Make miracles happen through the power of God when we listen to how God might use us. And we bring all that creative here. Tony, Life Application Ministry, Brian, Kensington Church, one of our guitarists couldn't make it tonight. He goes to Our Lady of the Lakes Catholic Church. They're okay. <laughs> Seth's all the way from Philly. We've, we've got different influences on the stage. And why did I ask all these random people who some of them just met this morning, to be honest? 
Why did I ask them to come together? Because the kingdom of God is best when all creatives come to the table. I've got my own angle. I've got my own point of view. But there are other people who have different points of view. But the kingdom of God is stronger when we're together. Political uh, leanings, whatever your race or ethnicity is, whatever your strengths are, whatever your, your flaws are, you come to the table and God's kingdom gets better because he wove you as a little creator. Are you listening to your creator? Have you brought your creative to the table? Is there something that you're not able to give or offer or provide or help with? We um, started a green initiative at Draw in December where we said we would recycle all the plastic bags of the community because recycling plants were doing that. We believe if we care about people before natural disasters, we should care about them, or if we care about them after, we should care about them before, which means being a better steward of the earth that God created and told us to manage, okay? And so we started recycling these plastic bags, and something happened. People believed us, and we got 40,000 plastic bags in five months. I'm having nightmares about Kroger bags. It's the worst. And we're developing processes to try to turn these plastic bags into plastic yarn that can be crocheted, into bags that can serve flood victims after major disasters. And, and we've got 57 volunteer crocheters, creatives, okay? We've got tons of volunteers cutting plastic bags up. Yes, I will applaud that. But we also have a, a, a backflow problem. It's hard to keep up with all the plastic bags. We think we've made it through, and then someone shows up with like five giant garbage bags of plastic bags, and we're like, oh, God. So we said we got to store this better. It's taking over our warehouse. It's taking over the other things that we do that are our main core competency. How can we fix this? And so uh, my development coordinator and I, Jamie, one day we, we started to kick around. Jamie wants to say that I created it, but I'm, I'm not taking credit for this. So we came up with this compression system. If you put plastic bags in a bin, they sit a certain amount. But if you can always push them down because there's air in there, just they come back up. So we were like, all right, what if we created something that could compress them and keep them down so we could store more in the same amount of space? And so Jamie and I spent a lot of time and energy at Home Depot, our favorite place. Came back to the warehouse. We tried two or three things, and we ended up with a compression system where, like, you had little uh, screws, and you had a rod, and you put the wood on the rod, and then you, you put the bags in, and you have to stand on the – put weight on it to crush it down, and then you screw it down so it stays tight. This is our compression system. And on impact day, 35 of you came to our warehouse to help. And there was a, five, a family of five. They only signed up because the junior hire was in NHS and said, let's go. And so the whole family went. So this guy is there. His name is Jim. And he's compressing plastic bags. What an exciting volunteer opportunity this is. And he sits there and he stared. He, keeps, he works and he'd sit and stare. And he's like, I think we could do this better. I'm like, I, listen, I do not. This is not. There's no patent on this. Let's give it a shot. What, what, do, what do you think? He's like, can I just take it home and mess around with it? Uh, sure. So I take it. I don't hear from Jim for two weeks. I get a text from a number I don't recognize. It was Jim. Hey, I've been messing around. Uh, I'd like to show you what I came up with. All right. He comes a week later, and he's come up with a new system where you can compress the bags with uh, metal rods that can be pulled out. And then you can bale the plastic bags like a bale of hay to keep them compressed, which means you can store more. And you don't have to make new compressors each time, so it saves us a ton of money down the road. 
he shows this thing off, and I'm like, wow, this is impressive. You cre-? He's like, I'm not creative at all. I was just messing around. But because Jim Bailey took the time to take some space to fool around to see maybe I can create something a little different, our organization, which I think is kingdom work, is better at what we do because he sat there with metal rods and goofed around with plastic bags. What a weird day that must have been. We all have our own creative things, and the kingdom is strong when we bring it. However, before that happens, before man was made in the image of God, before that happens, he created space. He cleared the decks with boundaries and gave time so that it could be filled with life, life life-giving relationships, messages, wisdom, movement, encouragement. He created space. And as an American church, the entire American church, we are bad at leaving space. There's marketing, and there's the next meeting, and there's the youth group, and there's the trip, and this fundraiser, and let's bake these, and can you volunteer for this? And you get home, and you've built a nice container. But what are the contents? We have to get better at listening to what God might have.